Hello survivors and welcome to Human Flesh, a zombie movie podcast by Resident Evil fans for Resident Evil fans. This is First Aid Spray bonus episode 9. It's time to grab your popcorn for a double bill of films, both titled Dawn of the Dead. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cy and joining me in the horde this week. Speaking of flesh, he's the only human that I know with a certain podcast logo imprinted on his. Yes, seriously, it's Boy Wonder Adam. Tattoo machine go burr. <laughs> and I feel terrible for dragging him away from work to make him stare at four and a half hours of hordes of brain dead people in the mall, but here we are. It's Fire Button Steve Valance. Retail is hell. Hello. The subject of this bonus episode, like all others, was voted on by our Patreon backers. Support the show now to not only keep us afloat, but to also create new content, select what that content is, and hear it a month before everyone else. Tears begin at just $1 a month. Check out patreon.com forward slash Pod for the full breakdown. So, we've arrived at another Film Club episode, hopefully this one of a slightly different mood, by which I mean most of the films that we've covered on the show's history uh, up to this point have been pretty average at best or much much worse and the occasional bright spark but I, I would say we haven't focused on anything that has released to warm reception all around generally um, which was something that I thought would be nice to do for once um, so racking the brains about it I thought well especially with Resident Evil's anniversary coming up at the time of recording we should go way further back let's look at the sort of origin of the modern zombie and uh, I thought, you know, George A. Romero films, let's stick the first three in the poll. And uh, Dawn of the Dead is the big winner. But as with most other Film Club episodes, we're sort of going to bolster it out with two movies. So we're going to be looking at the 1978 original and the 2004 remake as well. So a uh, special shout out in this podcast. There's not any files in films, so we can't do that. But we do have a musical cover from Island Rocks. Um their cover of the classic Dawn of the Dead theme song uh, will be in this episode. So if you enjoy that, check the description for a link to their YouTube channel to listen to more of their covers and support them. Uh, we appreciate that. So the first film of two to discuss is the 1978 original. Uh, it came out a decade after the first film in the series, the classic, the original zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Dawn of the Dead holds a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's often cited as being one of the few sequels that are superior to the original. It was selected as one of the 500 greatest movies of all time by Empire Magazine in 2008. It's also named as one of the best 1,000 movies ever made uh, in a list published by the New York Times. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave it 4 out of 4 stars and proclaimed it one of the best horror films ever made. And conceded that it's gruesome, sickening, disgusting, violent, brutal and appalling, but nobody ever said art had to be in good taste. It performed well thanks to commercial advertising and word of mouth. Ad campaigns and posters declared the film the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It earned $900,000 on its opening weekend in the US. And the website The Numbers claims it has a worldwide total of $66 million, making it the most profitable film in the franchise. And adjusting that for inflation, 2021 money is $263,670,000, which is nothing to be sniffed at. So, first experiences. Adam, do you remember the first time you saw the original Dawn of the Dead? I do, yeah. Uh, I would have been... Well, I say I remember. I don't really remember, but yes, I was... 
probably in my early teens when I first watched this. A friend introduced me to it. Um, and um, I remember being uh, very enamored with it um, for its kind of how dated I felt it looked because, you know, obviously mm. I was like a 13 or 14 year old. So like, it didn't look particularly good to me, um, at the time, but I remember having a lot of fun with it. Adam, have you got a dog by any chance? <laughs> yeah, I had a okay. dog just scratching itself. Give me two seconds and it's I'll go fine. again. <laughs> it's fine. It's she's, fine. she's, she's having a good scratch on her ear right now. I just Lay know, down, I'm... you dear. I'm leaving this in. I'm le- I'm just leaving this in at this point. Oh. <laughs> okay, her name's Muffin. Muffin, lay down. Oh. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll put pictures in the chat later. <laughs> uh, Steve, <laughs> what was your first exposure to Dawn of the Dead, the original? This is kind of vague for me. I'm pretty sure I saw the remake first, mm-hmm. and then I came back and watched the original out of curiosity. Um, yeah, I, I I was kind of late to the George A. Romero stuff. I definitely I distinctly remember my first George A. Romero film being the 1990 remake of the original Night of the Living Dead. So mm. definitely late on this one for the bus. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> uh, none of us definitely would have saw this on release, as I say. It's, it's a fair bit old. I jumped in the DeLorean and I went back and saw it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it, was um, de- it was definitely late. Like, yeah, uh, late uh, uh, 2000s. I was going to say 20,000s. No, no, that's not words. That's not English. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely late 2000s for me. Fair enough. Mine probably would be probably early 2000s, I reckon. Um, it was one of those things where I sort of grew up as... I'm not really... It's funny. I think I've probably said this before. I don't know. But I'm not really a horror film person despite you know the resident evil podcast thing i don't really watch many horror films but i grew up with sort of fascinations on the paranormal and sort of monsters and stuff um especially zombies and i was always like drawing zombies and and stuff like that just because they're so malleable you know you, drawing zombies is fun because you can do whatever the hell you want missing eyes missing limbs all kinds of nonsense um and that was something that i really enjoyed and my parents definitely noticed because i remember my dad sort of supplied me a uh, this is really dating it but I, I recorded off of tv vhs you know where you would just leave it on overnight when the film was on and just snap it on a on a blank tape dawn of the dead because uh, i was interested in zombies and stuff like that um and he said yeah just just check this out because you know it's this classic film um and i remember having mixed feelings i was very young at the time really i probably shouldn't have been watching it in all fairness um but I remember being very bored <laughs> by the, the the good chunk of the opening. I, re- I, I knew about the mall. I wanted to get to see the zombies. So I was really not that engaged until we got to that point. Um, that's my prevailing memory of it. I remember, I remember being kind of sort of like, eh, about most of it. But some of the zombie scenes definitely sort of stood the test of time in, in my memory. So this is sort of the first time I've gone back and watched it properly. Uh, and I definitely appreciated it lots, lots and lots more, <laughs> to be fair. So the story uh, of Dawn of the Dead, as I sort of referenced there, in its most basic form, um, the continuation of the zombie apocalypse from the first film. Um, it's, it's a sequel really only in concept and in universe. There's no carryover of plot elements or characters really other than zombies have risen for reasons unknown. Um, 
and it sees a sort of ragtag group of survivors as as has become sort of the standard of the zombie genre uh trying to find a place to hide out and doing so uh, at least temporarily in an abandoned mall or at least they plan to be temporarily touching down in a helicopter that is sort of the basics of it i guess um Adam, what's your thoughts on the on the story, and I guess the, like the impact of the fact zombies in a mall is has become a big thing, like Dead Rising and stuff like that. When that came out, everyone was like, "Hey, it's basically a Dawn of the Dead game." You know, this is I'd say it set the standard. Well, as you said, very basic story. Um, not wanting to l- sort of put the carrot in front of the donkey here, but I really really didn't really enjoy my <laughs> current viewing of this movie. Okay. Um it it's funny because when we watched I think it was the original Resident Evil and I said, "Hey, you could watch this movie without sound and it would be fine." You could watch this movie without sound. There isn't a story in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um there's a um a setup People go and escape and stay at a mall. That's right. a setup for a movie. And that is this movie. Um, there's not really any plot. Hmm. I mean, uh, that's fair, they go, actually. If you could tell me like what the underlying story is, you would just say there's people, survivors that go to a mall <laughs> and there's zombies there. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. It doesn't have a story. Which, is, I mean, you know, it's fine. It It's... A f- kind of a fun movie. It's way too long. It's like two and a half hours. It's like an hour too long. The most story in this movie is that the woman is pregnant and maybe she should get an abortion. Um, <laughs> that's really the big character beat of the movie, right? Oh Other God, than you that, said hot no... takes. I didn't. <laughs> Other than that, there's no character progression. There's no. There's no story in this movie. There's a plot. There's like a plot outline, and that's pretty much it. Um, and you know, I don't really. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot good to say about the movie. Um, I do understand its significance. Mm-hmm. I do like its plot setup and its ideas. I just don't. You know, another hot take from me here is I really don't think George Romero is a filmmaker (laughs) um but you know uh yeah there's not really much of a story going on here like i said you could watch this movie without sound on there is no um piece of information or dialogue in this film that changes any part of it or makes any part of it really something to pay attention to Okay, excellent. I've got some rebuttals for some of that, so I'm I'm, I'm excited. Good, to good. But, yeah, that's know, great. I, I, it's it's hard to disagree with what you're the point you're making is that there, yeah, like the lack of story. It really is all about setup. Um, Steve, what do you think of the yeah the story, or I guess the narrative? Yeah, the narrative, if you like, yeah. <laughs> for what it is, right? I actually, when we get the glimpses of the wider world and the actual story about how it's going down. I find that more compelling than our leads, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just rebut Dear Adam because you literally have four disparate survivors and they're basically two pairs who don't really know each other all that well and they have to come to terms with working together and like you know getting over it and then 
there's the arc of Fran. I mean, okay, there are basic. They are basic bare bones arcs. But we have the you know, we have the arc of Peter learning to how to deal with other human beings as they apparently don't know how to deal with them. We've got Fran who wants to learn how to be uh, a pilot or fly the helicopter and be more capable and be basically respected by her lightly misogynistic companions. And then there's Steve who is a complete idiot and doesn't know how to fire a gun in the entirety of the <laughs> film, despite being taught how to learn it. And his character arc is learn how to fire a gun, miss, and die horribly. <laughs> All of the also, things you Roger just said there. are like, two. each person gets like two lines I, I in the film to explain that. <laughs> I didn't say it was great. Uh, Rob's oh, got an interesting arc as well, where he basically, it's, it's more showing the mental degradation of zombification as a character arc. And he becomes more feral and beastly until he dies. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's great, but then you have glimpses of like, the, the wider world and like seeing how the police go completely to town on this poor group of people in the projects and biker gangs literally becoming feral clowns with assault rifles, thinking it's funny to raid and attack people. Hmm. It, it, it's definitely the, the scope of things in Dawn of the Dead is more interesting to me than the actual core characters. Right. Um, do you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. It's funny because I have sort of fallen into the wider reaction. I think of sort of like looking at this as as a stone cold classic because I I find things to pick up on there that I guess you guys didn't. And you know that's that's fine. That's great. I agree. The story is very basic, and some of the arcs might be a little bit basic as well. But I think it's very much like a theme piece, like a mood piece. It's very about tone, very much about tone and stuff like that. I, I don't really, I didn't remember sort of the assault on the projects at the beginning of the film. But to be honest, watching that, like, it, it made me really uncomfortable, those scenes. Um, and maybe Especially that's... Because it's like, isn't the main cop, that the, the quote-unquote psychopath cop, Mm. is literally just doing it for racist fun. Racist kicks. Um, yeah, which maybe that's yeah. why as well. It's, 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 it's very prevalent, obviously, in media in the last couple of years as well. So, it, and, and it's sad to see something from a film from, what are we looking at, 40-something years ago, uh, to be, yeah, just to reflect that. And, and, and it feels in, in ways hasn't changed. But I, yeah, I thought that was really cutting before that even you've got the the total panic and of the tv and the radio broadcast sort of going down i wouldn't have got that as a kid but it, i thought that was kind of like and over the course of the film sort of like a realistic portrayal of the breakdown of, of tv broadcasting and how it just sort of becomes to me people arguing <laughs> to me that's honestly like was what i enjoyed most mm. and i was upset that it finished like it was obviously done with kind of early in the movie ish because, um, and and I think I only enjoyed it because of today's sort of situations, right? Where you know, in in the past, and we've talked about it. I think even in the early in the early sort of film clubs, where we were like, this isn't how people would act. It's stupid. Mm. Um, but we've we've seen, you know, unfortunately, over the last year or so we've seen very real world examples that people will act in such a way to, uh, to mm. a big worldwide global issue, you know? And the fact that it opened with like conflicting TV personalities talking about how 
you can't just shoot these people or what you know you yeah yeah this is stupid we have to let them live and stuff like that and mm -hmm. like it, it if you had watched it two years ago even you'd be like this is dumb no one would be saying that um but obviously as we've seen in in our very real situation like unfortunately there are people in the world that are like would be zombie deniers you know they would be like no no i'm still gonna go to the shops like there's no <laughs> nothing to worry yeah. about yeah like, the fact that he's saying this hits home so hard like mm -hmm. i feel yes. like we're all spiritually attached to eye patch man who literally is saying you need to kill them and, and then <laughs> yeah get on with it yeah and and it's funny because if you had gone back like i say a few years he would be the guy that you'd be like oh this guy like he's just whatever mm -hmm. but it's it's it is it is something in this film's credit but it's not because of this film it's because of the real world sure. um yeah. yeah um but yeah. yes that is a that was a very good take and a very interesting thing given our circumstances and i did enjoy that um because it, it was thoughtful for being so long ago you know mm. it, it did tap into a very real world reaction that there are people that will always kind of be deniers or conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. So that was well done. Um, it just kind of dropped off for me after that. Mm. Fair enough. Um, before I get to sort of the, my thoughts on the meat of the story, also while we're talking about um, sort of almost like external forces going on around it, one other bit that I thought was sort of... Uh, sickeningly real was there's a scene where they're flying over the countryside and then you get just a cutaway bunch of shots of uh people with all their trucks drinking beer arming themselves up to go around shooting zombies and, and treating it you know like hunting game even i just you know watching that was just like wow that is probably very realistic and again that probably is like you say just the the timing of watching this movie which was not intentional that it would sort of reflect sort of the current status of the real world and stuff. But I found that similarly, similar kind of thing where I was like, yeah, that that's kind of believable now. And you probably mm -hmm. wouldn't have been if we'd have watched it two years ago, as you said, in terms of the pacing and the, the length of the film, I agree. It's, it feels long. It feels longer than two hours. I it feels, it feels months <laughs> long. And I loved that. Yeah. about it. I, I just thought it oh, was great. God. No, I, I love that because it, you got to experience this, this awkward group of characters, as Steve said, that you know these sort of two subsets of characters coming together that don't really know each other um, and dealing with each other, especially three of them. Absolute. So many pieces of media and zombie media, especially do the sort of, as I say, ragtag group of survivors of strangers having to come together. And this, it's maybe it's an example of other things just doing it better, but this is very much the original of that. And the original of all the themes, like, you know, people are the threat is one that comes up sort of near the end. And the obvious one, obviously, when you talk about this, it's almost been done to death, is the, maybe they're coming to them all because of trace memory and it's about commercialism and blah, 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 stuff like that. But I, I, whilst I would have understood that when I watched it the first time when I was a kid and I would have picked up on that, it was stuff like the, like the racism and... and the awkward character arcs that everyone goes through that I thought as an adult were much more interesting to me. I I picked up much more on, on sort of char uh, character idiosyncrasies. You know, you mentioned sort of Franny's outside of the male gang story because she sort of struggles because she's 
She's a normal lady. She's not like she, she's a, not a badass like kicking zombie dogs in the head in the air sort of Alice stupid badass. But she gets sort of. I was watching it thinking it was, it's a shame because her character's being suffocated by all these other male characters and egos. But in the full context of it, she's pregnant. She learns how to fire weapons off a rooftop. She learns how to fly a helicopter. Maybe she is a badass. Maybe just like a normal everyday badass. She doesn't have to fly through the air and do matrix super moves. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting. Probably at the time, <laughs> not so much. Maybe it wasn't meant that way. It, it was I a mean, little bit. She like... holds off a zombie with a flare. Not, not, not many characters you can say <laughs> in most forms of fiction manage to discover that fireworks work on. Well, it's Romero zombies. Yeah, they, uh, I definitely want to get to that as well. That's and it, crazy. Scene. And in terms of Stephen, <clears throat> I actually thought he was quite interesting as well because I found his driving force about masculinity as well and sort of being self-conscious about his own compared to the two soldier dudes who have got it locked down and they're working together to do all these <laughs> things and they kind of keep him out of some of the more uh actiony stuff to do sort of doing the things that need to be done um until he sort of has to learn to pull his weight and he has to pull his weight because there's only three of them and then in the end of and the end of it all he dies because he's sort of too comfortable with the more and he, and he wants to cling on to it rather than leaving they decide to stay there and that's and that's something that he wants and, and in the end he thinks he's got it but he doesn't and yeah you get you get the Steve zombie but that's yeah that, I, I'm, I'm just waffling I could totally waffle about this film and I'm probably gonna do it some more um, <laughs> but I will hit pause <laughs> um, Adam what do you think of sort of like the themes and the tone less so the story but the, yeah the overall uh, tone of the film yeah this is probably where I like it a lot um, it is it has good themes. It it is in a way emotionally intelligent. Um it mm -hmm. it touches on, you know, a lot of like we've already said, like there's kind of nods to racism and sexism and some misogyny and and, and it never does it really, really heavy handedly or awkwardly, in my opinion, to its credit. Mm -hmm. Um it and and the the whole kind of idea of the kind of capitalism of like the zombies knowing to go to the mall and stuff it's it's very interesting i think for as kind of janky as the zombies are but, but that's you know just a sign of the times mm -hmm. it it the zombies are kind of interesting compared to modern zombies which are truly just kind of like mindless creatures these zombies kind of have a bit of something to them, you know. They have a little bit of personality, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's nice to see, you know. It's it makes it more interesting. Uh, it's it's well done in that sense. My like I said, my big issues really are the kind of lack of story, and and we'll get into some of the other kind of little issues that I have as we go along, but. And and I feel like it. You you know you said you enjoyed the length of the film. For me, it was too long. Um, there's a lot of a lot of filler, and some of that is good. Some of it adds a little character, but a lot of it for me is kind of superfluous. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of I enjoy the theme and the tone. I think that there is good thought behind a lot of the stuff going on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. 
<clears throat> showing the passage of time in film is quite difficult if you, you to do it in the right way it's very easy for it to suddenly jump around and, and sort of be disorientating so maybe that's why i liked it is that they use that time to show the passage of time um that's a months, great point the months in that's there, actually but... a good point that i would kind of it kind of turns me on to it a bit more mm -hmm. because if we talk when we talk about the the next film we're going to talk about yeah that seems like it happens in a couple of hours. Right, totally. Yeah. And um, I, I'll admit, we'll, maybe on we'll a get into that. Yeah, I, I, right. maybe on a rewatch, some of those scenes are definitely going to drag. But as someone who essentially is coming in blind to a lot of it, you know, I, right. I enjoyed it on, on, a, on a sort of quote unquote first watch. Not necessarily. That's fair. I, I would definitely kind of come around to that idea, I think. Uh, Steve, thoughts because on the time? Because it does feel oh, like you watch it for months. So, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve, thoughts on the tone? Uh, generally, it's this is going to sound really mean, but it always feels oppressively bleak, even in the moments when it's trying to be light. Mm. Like, I, uh, it might be my mindset, but this feels like the Silent Hill 2 in terms of emotional range. <laughs> like, it's always those down downswing bits, and any bits that are light are like, you know, more of a <laughs> back to it. <laughs> kind of in a grim way. I, I don't know if that's high praise or what, considering we'll have to get to the Silent Hill 2 <laughs> stuff. Spoilers. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it, it's... I would say it's consistent, except for like the opening five... The, the ending five minutes, but I, I don't know if we're going to go that far into spoiler mm. town yet. Uh, yeah, we can I touch do, on that. Do you want... Do you not guys know about the original ending of this film? How it was originally going to play out? I do, yeah. Yeah, uh, do not know. Uh, sorry, you're, you're like the law buff in the Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Apparently, <clears throat> yeah. So originally in the script, um, the plan was for them to commit suicide, I believe. So in the sort of um, we've talked a lot about spoilers already, so I don't think I need to put a spoiler warning. <laughs> um, so in the final sort of scenes. Um, Peter appears to be contemplating suicide with it, with his little Derringer pistol, and um, Franny gets up onto the roof with the helicopter. Um, he was going to shoot himself, and she was going to decapitate herself with the rotary blades. I think that's right. Which obviously the zombie who does that earlier in the film was meant to be the setup to that moment, um, sort of for her to sort of be inspired by that, I suppose. Um, but instead, uh, I think maybe even in during production, they sort of changed their mind on that and decided to leave it uh, ambiguous. I know actually the other thing about that other ending was the credits were going to play over the helicopter blades and then they were going to stop near the end, sort of implying that they wouldn't have got that far anyway, which I thought was that's quite what a cool idea. That being said, I think I prefer the sort of the ending that they went with, actually. You see, that's the thing. I... As ridiculously bleak and like you know, you know, black-heartedly hopeless, the the uh, the non-ending would have been mm. the the one that we have feels like so much like it's in a different film because Peter right. goes from literally contemplating suicide to macho yeah. man ramming savage against six zombies hand to hand without getting. <laughs> That's bit. something yeah. I actually wanted to bring up, which is I'm glad that you said that it kind of changed because it's so it, to me it was such a tonal shift where he was like. I'm not going, basically. Like, you go. Mm, yeah, I'm going to stay that. here and basically, def like, defend your exit. And then, like, all of a sudden... And the the tone of how he says it and stuff is very defeated. Um, and then all of a sudden, he, like, runs out of the door and is like, let's do this kind of thing. The A-team so, team starts playing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
is that doing his best Frank West on the zombies. Like, don't be wrong, it's a fun scene. Like there's a right. lot of fun action scenes in this film. Just doesn't fit the tone of the film at all. Right, yeah, exactly. Fair. It does it, it like why does he suddenly do a U turn that quickly? Which is mm. strange because Peter's like my favourite in this film. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely touch a bit more on characters, but uh, you've both mentioned things about the zombies that I definitely want to touch on as well. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, uh, the, they are kind of <laughs> probably the most aged part of the film, I would say. You know, my first note is literally, oh, the blue makeup. Oh, <laughs> um, which apparently was because obviously the first film's in black and white. So they were just trying to go for an ashen look and it sort of wound up blue. Um, so for the most part, they don't look like zombies as you picked them to the today. They for, most of them just look like blue people, you know, like gone off blue. Yeah, you could group. rename this movie like the Smurfs movie. And it would be <laughs> Smurf like back. a weird horror Smurf movie. <laughs> oh, it's Smurfs with bright red blood, like like luminous red, which apparently oh, was chosen goodness. like for a comic book feel, but. I don't know about that because I didn't really get a comic book. I get maybe graphic novels, but in the seventies, really, was, I don't know. It, it, sure, it's a bright-looking film, but as Steve said, the tone is pretty bleak. Like there's sections where they're basically mourning the fact that they've tombed themselves in here. That they're probably they're overzealous to be like, hey, we're a whole mall to ourselves. We can just do whatever we want. Is probably going to be their downfall. Doesn't really jive with the brightly coloured zombie blood and the blue skin, but maybe that's just a uh, retrospect kind of thing. The other thing, as Steve brought up, this is so weird. This totally like confused me. Zombies are adverse to fire in this, which is not a thing that carries over into other films. You, like you see it in stuff like Resident Evil, they'll catch fire and they just keep going. In this, they don't seem to want to deal with it. It either causes them pain, I guess, or they can feel the temperature. I thought it was just so weird. I can only think of one other. Well, technically, the Dead Rising games, I suppose, um, and mm. another George A. Romero film, Land of the Dead, where a big plot point is that fireworks and loud explosions and right. stuff like that distract them. Uh, I, I kind of thought it was that kind of thing, uh, like especially when Franz holding that flare up against the. I want to say, I apologise if this is not correct. The Hare Krishna zombie. That's yeah, I think that's correct. That I want to say correct. it's some kind of photosensitivity thing because mm. she's not. I really, think like, the actor just couldn't it. stare into the flare. Mm. <laughs> or it's it completely bamboo. Like you know, it's a chaff grenade on Metal Gear. It's completely bamboozling it. <laughs> Callback. Keeping it in the nerd speak. You know, <laughs> uh, the zombies in this film seem to have two modes. They're either mega deadly and will tear you apart, or they're almost docile. Mm. I, 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 that's a strange like juxtaposition compared to most zombie fiction, I think. Even even Night of the Living Dead, they were kind of consistently like, you know, a slow droning force. Whereas in this, they're kind of like almost meek until they're in kill mode, and then they'll just sever a limb by casually brushing against you. <laughs> Fair. Uh, that's not a knock on it. I think it's a it's a nice quirk to them, mm. like uh, the, the fact that they literally are like brutes who don't know their own strength. Mm. I um, I'd say I feel like they they lost their threat for a while, which which actually kind of worked for me because sort of like the characters figure out how to outmaneuver them and they decide they're going to clear them all out of them, um, and then we don't really see them for a little bit. And then the next time we see them, they're getting literally pie-faced by the Raiders. They're getting cream pies in their face. And I thought, oh, that's... Mm. But then immediately after that, when when everyone's too busy fighting amongst each other and all these zombies are pouring in, 
then they get vicious all of a sudden right at the end and you get like the most grotesque gory stuff right at the end of the film as you should as people are being pulled apart and stuff like that i thought that was a, a really interesting not i can't really say there's an arc for the zombies that'd be a bit weird but uh, it's a really interesting way to take them where they start out as the absolute threat and then the characters and the audience just sort of get used to them not being around and then when they come back they're like oh yeah killing machines by the way um adam you sort of touched on your thoughts of the zombies any any other any other thoughts yeah um i think that what you just said is, is pretty spot on i think that whether knowingly or not um romero kind of feeds into the fact that we kind of get complacent with mm. them you know we're like oh yeah like it's zombies we've been dealing with them and then when they come back in in much greater numbers you're suddenly like oh yeah this is not good <laughs> yeah. but i mean honestly the zombies like the zombies in this film just as they are are just such a non-threat like mm. it's That's funny yeah, exactly, for sure. But you like, calm and complacent, and then they'll brush you and your arm will fall off. Right, exactly. <laughs> but the, like, it's what really bothers me about this movie is that as soon as a human gets within like two feet of a zombie, they they just forget how to act like a human or fight. Like <laughs> everyone's flailing <laughs> as a human, or like in the beginning like as they're running out there's like two zombies and um Steve just runs directly into a zombie's arms and they fall down together <laughs> so um stupid, and then <laughs> and then Fran just so watches bad. she just stands and watches while he struggles to get a random hammer that's in some grass um and then you know like it's just whenever someone gets to next to a zombie it's like the zombie virus is contracted to them in terms of their brain <laughs> because no one can act like a human. Like when you watch the fight at the end, there's like, like biker dudes, like hitting zombies in the chest with dumbbells and stuff. And <laughs> like, and it just like, no one knows how to fight. It's just so hilarious. It's like the zombies and the humans are evenly matched when they get into a scrap. Uh, it's, that's one of the things that really bothered me. Cause it's like, like it, in like the record store or something like that the zombie grabs like Peter or whatever on the ground. And then the other like three characters just stand and watch like, okay, deal with that. Like no one tries to help or pull. <laughs> it's just like crazy <laughs> to me. It's like these zombies are so lame and yet the human characters can't help, but just be completely inept when it comes to <laughs> stopping themselves. Like, when the Harry Krishna zombie is trying to get into the room and Fran just stacks some boxes up in like a single <laughs> pile. Like, don't stack boxes like that if you want to block a door. You're dumb. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. It's stupid. It, like, I get it because there has to be some sort of tension. So the human characters have to kind of act a little dumb because otherwise it would be a very like, well, this is basically how we stop zombies getting us, especially in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that to me, they're they're interesting, but they're not a a threat. Like other zombie movies have made zombies scary. This movie, the zombies weren't at all scary, um, but it was interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I don't, I didn't particularly find them scary. And I said this before on the Cockneys versus Zombies podcast, and let's just be thankful we're not talking about that film right now. I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when the joke is, ha-ha, zombie did something stupid. Um, 
I, I if you're going to have a comedy zombie film, do the comedy around it and leave the zombies as zombies. But that being said, the biggest laugh in this film is the zombie who takes the gun off of Roger. And then right at the end of the film, he's there on the rooftop <laughs> getting the payoff. <laughs> <laughs> When he gets his gun swapped out, I can't remember exactly what it was, it's been a few weeks now, but they, they have him carrying that gun around for, well, however long this film takes place over, I think it's months. Right. You know, he's carrying this gun around, facing the wrong way with it. I'd, I don't know, just seeing that again just really, really made me laugh. But yeah, like as you said, they, they, there's some interesting parts of these zombies as well, because they use tools and stuff, which is not something that you really saw in later zombie stuff. And the fire thing is not something that um, you see in many zombie stuff. And even... What you said, Adam, about sort of, oh, people will get sort of complacent about the zombies. This is like the second big zombie film. I don't know if George A. Romero did that on purpose, but if he did, he's a genius. Because, I mean, we're in 2021 now. Zombie has become a genre over the last 15 years. People are definitely complacent. So I don't know. I don't know, but it's an interesting point nonetheless. Uh, we touched on characters. So let's let's circle back around to any other points on uh, character. Steve, was there any characters that stood out to you as good or bad or any moments that stood out oh actually it's, it's, it's mostly the ancillary stuff like i love the newscasters having their own like you know meltdown at the start of the film and um you know depressed eye patch man who's basically saying no you need to wear a mask you need to social distance <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> as people just ignore any kind of safety guidelines oh, political commentary no i'm kidding um but, but uh, you know everyone else is kind of fine like it doesn't the, the character arcs start to like you know warm a bit in the middle because they literally have got them all safe so i suppose they have to do the back the character development parts but realistically it's mostly just a bit humdrum which is a bit harsh i like the characters but there's not a lot going on mm. <laughs> um, fair enough um adam any standout stuff for you good or bad i think i would sort of echo steve there where some of the ancillary stuff is interesting like I've always loved Tom Savini in a movie. Yeah. And he could have been used a lot better in this one. Like, he, I know he's not an actor per se, but he always brings something that I really enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. And I wish he had a bit more to do in this movie. Um, Would you like some trivia, Adam? Sure. His zombie, his character is the uh, only through link to a direct Romero sequel in that his zombie from this film appears in Land of the Dead. That's the second time I mentioned that film today. <laughs> but um, Blades, okay. as he is, somehow gets out of that mall and spends the next 20 years motoring around it, in the uh, George Romero. Is, is Land of the Dead the one where the kid has the camcorder and it's a lot of... No, it's the one with survival, the, uh, I think. the armored van. And, okay, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I've seen both, but it honestly kind of blurs for me because yeah, I've watched them yeah. once once in in the theatrical release, and that was enough for me. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Tom Savini, super cool. I wish we could have seen more of him. He always brings a very kind of wild energy, mm -hmm. um, which I enjoy. Uh, Peter was good, very stoic, kind of. Um, I, I always kind of see him as like, especially in that era, as maybe like an ex-military, a bit haunted by maybe some yeah, things he's yeah. he's kind of seen or done. Um, he's very kind of stoic about the whole thing. Um, 
other than that, there's not a lot that I really enjoy here in terms of in terms of characters. Um, I do. I, to, just to piggyback off your point, um, Peter and Roger. I do like how it subverts how you know the, the general process of horror and slasher films go in that Roger is introduced almost as a protagonist for a while and then he gets bitten and has mm. to get shot uh, which is nice and then Peter pretty much becomes the leader of the team I say team in the loosest term but <laughs> you know the one who says goes and right. I like that as well um, and Roger's just completely falling to pieces mm. yeah yeah Roger's a chump <laughs> he loses it after he gets bitten pretty much he does he gets that adrenaline rush he dies because of his own bravado which I thought was quite interesting because he starts to film off sort of stepping in to help out this stranger this other military presence in Peter uh, deal with the situation at the project so I just thought it was quite an interesting through line for him to sort of step up at, at the horrible moment um, to then just kind of fall apart I remember that was one scene that definitely caught my attention when I watched it when I was much younger, is the transformation of, of that character into a zombie. And maybe that's because I hadn't seen it before, been done on, on on a film or on TV or anything. But nevertheless, I still thought it was particularly well done. But yeah, Peter is obviously a big standout, um, wonderfully portrayed, and sort of his interactions with characters like Roger and stuff like that I thought were, were, were wonderful. Um, and Romero, yet again, you know... We touched on sort of like the the racism angle of this film, and that is all over it, really. Um, and to to have, as you said, Steve, sort of, <clears throat> he's the main character. You don't realise that at the beginning. It doesn't feel like it's going to be that way, but he is the lead character. And to have a, a black lead uh, again in the, in the seventies, um, and obviously it's in the first film as well. And that film has massive racist vo- racial overtones as well. But yeah, just to continue to push that in the seventies, I thought. It's very cool, and it, and it stands up the test of time. He's definitely the the magnanimous one of the lot. Other than that, I think I said my piece on, on sort of most of the arcs. They work as a unit. I couldn't watch a film that was about any of them sort of as the lead. If it wasn't him, it probably would have fallen apart for me. Uh, the rest of them sort of work off of each other. Some of the acting early on is pretty shaky, but for the most part... Uh, <laughs> the priest good. in the project. That one confused me. Oh, God. Me. Yeah. Who that was one. that? Was that like an investor or like his uncle or <laughs> yeah maybe it had to be just i mean his li- the way he delivered his lines was just unreal i was like what is this <laughs> yeah that was that's a not a great like for, sort of foot to start on with this film is it it's not <laughs> right. a great first step but yeah it definitely it gets gets going uh, after that um okay so i guess we should summarize the 78 version before we move on um, I'm I, I'm going to start, I guess, get my praise out of the way. Um, I think this film has been very much uh, imitated ever since Dead Rising, one of them, but maybe not so much. Um, but lots of tropes and stuff have appeared uh, numerous times after this film, and it's never ever been outdone. I don't think in terms of themes and tones and just a complete package. It makes you think, you know, it's trite to say that. It sounds so silly, but it does make you think. Um, and that's quite surprising considering how many of its core elements have had a bite taken out of them and then spat back out so many times that this still had that effect on me. Um, 
Yeah, I've just, I was, it, it bowled me over. I'm, I was like, yeah, do you know what? This is a great film. I get it now. The film student in me was beaming. I think it's, you know, dated in areas, but otherwise timeless. And for me, uh, Adam, <laughs> <laughs> let's go in the opposite direction, maybe. What's your sort of final verdict? On well, having this conversation has warmed me to the mm. movie a little more, to be honest, that you guys have said some stuff that, that has made sense. I still think outside of it having helicopters and stuff in it, it still looks like a student film to me. <laughs> um, and um, it's it doesn't really have a story. It doesn't have character arcs. But it has, you know, it, it's somewhat the birth of the modern zombie genre. Mm. Um, and that has to be uh, praised. It's arguable that we wouldn't have Resident Evil without this movie. Almost certainly. And exactly. So I cannot fault it for that. As much as I feel like it was too long and there wasn't really much going on and it was a bit hokey, it it was treading new ground, you know, even more so than um Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Um it it does a lot more interesting things and as you say it's been imitated and aped in probably every zombie movie since there's mm-hmm. probably something in every single zombie movie and game that has a nod somewhere in it to this film and as such i can't be mad at it but for me it's not a movie I need to watch, really, again, I don't think. <laughs> That's fair. I can understand that. I am definitely on the other side of the fence, because I was looking at it, I was like, oh, there's three different cuts. All right, which one are we uh, tracking down next? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, uh, what's your final thoughts on the 78, Dawn of the Dead? So I'm, I guess I'm the one in the middle. We've got we've got Cy being the super fan and Adam being the hypercritical, and I'm just like, it's all right. Don't get the director's cut. Don't watch the full massive edition. Get the, the briefest version you can to cut the filler out. Mm. And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. There's just some stuff messes with the flow and how it goes. But as a cornerstone, as a foundation of the genre, just as my co-podcasters have said, it literally, uh, yeah, it, it's, this, it's, this, it's, this, it's the template of things that would follow it on, like Walking Dead with a, a horde of people and the, the, the way the character dynamics have to develop over time and they're trapped in their environments. Mm. Yet again, humans are the real <laughs> it's, it's It seems hokey and maybe a little bit formulaic, but that's the point. It's the, it's the origin of the modern zombie. So, yeah, I can't complain. Mm. Plus, you know... Keenan's dad from Keenan and Kel's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, for five minutes. Brilliant. There's one bit I want to complain about, actually. There's a real bit that gets to my nerves, right? They spend a good 20 minutes of the film trying to get a single wheelbarrow of stuff around the bloody thing, and it, oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> Wasted time. Just shoot the damn things and be... Oh. <laughs> no, realistically, though, student film or not it's uh, a landmark mm. uh, I, I think overhyped maybe a little bit but you know origin points tend to be yeah that's fair i think almost uh worth saying i with it being the granddaddy almost probably do seek it out and watch it once your mileage 
obviously, clearly, may vary. But I think it. I think everyone should at least give it a go to sort of look back on where zombie media really kicked it up a notch. Cover the remake, the 2004 version, was written by James Gunn, who you may know now uh, behind Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Twitter jokes that have aged terribly. Uh, Zack Snyder, in his directorial debut, who is now known for maybe or maybe not directing Justice League and making a cut of it that promises to be longer than the rest of your life by the sound of it. Uh, so big careers to come out of both of those guys. Um, this film was always going to happen, but it's worth saying that George A. Romero himself said it was better than I expected. He did say the first 15 or 20 minutes were terrific, but he also said it sort of lost its reason for being after that. It was more of a video game. I'm not terrified of things running at me. It's like Space Invaders. There's nothing going on underneath. Uh, a review aggregation website, Rotten Tomatoes, gave the film 75% approval rating from 187 critics, with an average of 6.7 out of 10 and it has a 59 out of 100 on Metacritics, which is mixed or average. The film grossed $59 million in the US box office and $102 million worldwide. And for the sake of argument, adjusted for 2021 money, that is $140 million or, or more, which is something like half the original film. Um, but man, it's hard to believe in a way that this film is 16 or 17 years old. I remember seeing this. Uh, when it came out on DVD, I I definitely watched it for like a Halloween thing around the time that it came out. Um, and I remember specifically 
because it came out the same time as Shaun of the Dead. I think literally one of them had their release dates moved. I think that's right to make way for the other one because they didn't want to compete two zombie films at the same time. And I definitely remember that because that year I did a Shaun of the Dead costume for my Halloween uh, thing. So there I was dressed as Shaun watching Dawn of the Dead 2004 uh, with very vague memories of the original still rattling around in my brain. Um, Steve, what was your first experience with the 2004 one? You said you saw it before the original. so I did. I saw this one at the cinema. I, oh, right. uh, my memories are flaky to say the least, but I do remember enough that I enjoyed it enough at the time to seek out and watch the original because I was craving more. Mm -hmm. That opinion may or may not have changed. <laughs> okay. And Adam, what was your first exposure to the remake? Yeah, I also saw this uh, at the cinema um, and I remember enjoying it a lot. Um, not necessarily thinking it's a great film, mm -hmm. but thinking it was a very enjoyable film to see at the cinema like an experience um yeah yeah that's fair. and again my opinions may or may not have changed <laughs> you know i think i'm probably somewhat in the same boat i definitely enjoyed it when i first saw it as a teenager sort of yeah freshly off the back of something like Shaun of the dead uh, and being a resident evil fan and just being like yeah zombie movies again not watching horror but i'll watch people get torn limb from limb and stuff <laughs> apparently i don't know um but yeah my opinion of it is it's a bit up and down we'll get there definitely so let's talk about the story to start with um so the plot points of this film that it shares with the original <laughs> arguably is all of it i guess uh if you want to get the most basic uh, sort of adam style review but it is there are zombies people go to the mall but that's about the only similarity uh, i would say after that it's it's very much its own beast the characters are their own thing it's not um a shot for shot or anything like that as i say it's it's a whole brand new cast um the only similarities between the two films at a bare-bones level is there is a mall in it. Yes. And there's some use of TV footage at the beginning that I thought was like a nice little nod, maybe, over the sort of opening titles and they're watching... I think that there are but... more nods to it in a, in less direct ways. Yeah, no, I mean, there's this character cameos and, and, and names. What I, but what I'm getting at is literally the, the bare-bones thing you need to know about Dawn of the Dead is, is it set in a mall? It's Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't don't speak to Capcom about that because you know, then they have to deal with lawsuits because yeah, Dead Rising set them all. This is the funny thing. I was going to bring this up, right? Dead Rising had to put a disclaimer out, which is probably just to hype up their own game, let's be fair. Yeah, well, right? that's fair. But then I see, and their, their opening shot as they descend to the mall is, I swear, Capcom must have just took a photo of it and ripped it off the Willow. <laughs> because that, that opening entryway mm. is the willamette mall yeah so I'll, I'll give them that one they can have that <laughs> one uh so the story therein I'm, i'll at least start and I'm, I'm happy to say that the opening to this film definitely lived up to my expectation of what i remember um i thought think the sort of opening as as romero himself did the opening 15 or 20 minutes fantastically frenetic there's just like so much panic going on seen through the eyes of this one person um so good that resident evil retribution just ripped it off wholesale <laughs> let's be honest that whole bit with that film where alice is in a suburban <laughs> home that is this dawn of the dead remake they just yeah. they wanted to do that so i'm really happy that that lives up to expectation but we'll uh we'll see about the rest of it uh, adam what did you think of 
let's start at least with the opening because I thought that was quite striking and diff- definitely different compared to the original, at least. I believe this opening has one of the best moments of any zombie media ever. Okay. Um, and that is the husband, boyfriend, whoever he is, gets bit, obviously, becomes a zombie. He's chasing her. And then he immediately just takes a sharp left and grabs somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love and that. And that—that's perfect. It perfectly shows what a zombie is mm. in in the in this media, at least, mm. because in other media, there's always seems to be some sort of emotion or something tied into it. Whereas this, this is just like this guy's going for her because he's the cl- she's the closest source of food mm. and then bam there's another source of food done he just turns left and goes and grabs that and that to me is like a great zombie moment and we don't see enough of that that's oh yeah. now now this is the closest thing let's just eat that instead i thought that was a really cool visual moment but you've actually yeah there's definitely more weight to it when you put it that way because you, when you sort of do these sort of like couple stuff in zombie fiction and one of them gets turned inevitably you know the the boyfriend girlfriend they're gonna have to deal with each other but yeah he goes from being boyfriend to just zombie because as you say he's just more interested in whatever the closest meal is so yeah fair point yeah, uh, i love that i love that thing. moment yeah say again steve i say there's, there's zero emotional melodrama it's just yes. pure instinct mm-hmm. steve what did you think of the opening in general one of the strongest in zombie fiction i'm gonna be honest like mm. the the way it all goes down pretty much overnight, uh, there's like the, the, the vaguest hints of it in the ward when Anna's working. And then she goes home, you know, does her coupley thing with a, with a fella and they go to bed and then wake up and it's just stuff has gotten real. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I think there, there are some cartoonish moments to the opening, like, you know, a car spiraling to a petrol <laughs> station. Makes me laugh <laughs> every time. Well, everything else is pretty spot on for just chaos. I'd, I'd like she's perfectly fine. Her neighbour, who she's probably known most of her life, is pulling a gun out on her. Only gets floored by an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. yeah. It's just seeing things like that destabilise and get worse and worse and worse to the point where she gets knocked out in a car crash mm. is pretty strong like i'm trying to think of other zombie films that have introductions as stuff kicks off that can uh, compete and realistically i don't think so most mm. of the time they skip past this bit which you know i suppose is easier like you know 28 days later the walking dead they normally just jump cut past the apocalypse mm. seeing it actually formulate in front of you in a all right slightly slapstick fashion is pretty good um you even have that moment with the child there where they their first is is the child okay oh okay jugular right. tasty, mm, itchy, tasty. <laughs> it, it's brutal yeah yeah it definitely and... is if you can tell you know Zack snyder is a, a big name now and it is you can see it, that it was going to happen just looking at this like his directing in this opening bit for that sort of action craziness is yeah chef's kiss it's very happy with it yeah in comparison I like- to the first film, it's uh, if the first film's an art, an, an, an art house flick, this is the popcorn variant. Mm. Uh, at least it's 100%, a hundred percent. Yeah, I like the fact that you know it, it's not just wake up to an apocalypse as well. We get little bits of it before, 
Like she's at the hospital. Some guy has ha- been bitten. Oh, well, he's in the ICU now. Why is he in the ICU? He was just bitten on the hand. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she goes home. She sees her man. They like do their shower love making scene. Um, and while they're doing that, the TV switches to an emergency broadcast, which they miss. So there's little hints of something happening before you walk out the door and suddenly everything is happening. So I appreciate that as well. Yeah, yeah. And obviously we'll talk about zombies later, but being that it is a quote-unquote fast zombie film, yeah, you could very easily get to this, you know, from point A to point B overnight with how quickly that kind of thing can spread. So yeah, I totally agree. The fact they missed all these signs or whatever, and then they go to sleep for, you know, eight hours or whatever, seven hours it is, and boom, wake up and into into hell. The exploding uh, gas station, by the way, or whatever it is, I think is a nod to the original Night of the Living Dead, speaking of nods, because it gets a mention. So that was them sort of paying homage. And as you mentioned, you get sort of the cameos and stuff uh, from here on out from everyone. So that that's nice to see. But yeah, as I say, when we get to the mall, it's kind of its own beast. So, uh, Adam, what did you think of... <laughs> Again, you know, I'm hesitant to call this a story as well, but you maybe, maybe you enjoyed this one more what do you think of the story of dawn of the dead no you're right again it's very light on the story i would say that its dialogue is more entertaining Mm -hmm. but i would also say it's more of an entertaining film Mm -hmm. um and not to say that it is a better film but it's more entertaining um it's more fun it's not really bleak um you know but again, there isn't a lot going on. There's just, it kind of links its way between, you know, Zach's love for scenes <laughs> for, for like little standout bits, you know, little bits that are entertainment highlights. Um, and it just kind of chugs between those, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't do a lot. The, the 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 survivors don't. They have less of a plan than the original movie. Even they just kind of get to the mall and then, you know, like sunbathe on the roof and stuff. It feels like, and yeah, you know, yeah. ask a dude to shoot celebrities mm-hmm. that or, or or zombies that that look like celebrities. So, um, yeah, there's not a great deal of story going on here either, but it is it is an entertaining time. That's fair. You know, and that scene in particular is a good example of clearly that's the intention, just to have some fun stuff in there. You know, you don't dress up a zombie like Jay Leno for nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. There's definitely memorable parts like that that, that keep it ticking over, definitely. Um, but I have my issues to take with it when we get there. But, Steve, what did you think of the... the when we get to the mall, the story therein, if you like? The, the one character has some kind of arc appears. Well, I, I <laughs> right. say that unfairly, actually. There are two character arcs in this film, it feels like. There's Kenneth getting over the fact that he's not going to see his brother. Mm-hmm. And the, the CJ going from somewhat of an ass to slightly more likable, but still an ass. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is kind of the same character throughout the entirety of the film. Yeah, so the, I, I, the only other character I can think of who has, who's in danger of having an arc, and it's a kind of dark one, is the criminal guy whose name escapes me. 
And it literally is a case of, I'm going to bring a baby into this world because I was a bad person and I want to give it the best chance I got. Also, I'm going to kill p- innocent people and hide a zombie in the mall because reasons. <laughs> I looked it up, by the way. It's, his name is Andre, but I literally looked it up because I didn't know either. <laughs> That's the thing. I remember Kenneth because the, the only, it's, I think it's the only character's name besides Steve that gets mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, there's the Kenneth. Called, there's, the mentioned... there's Tim Roth Light. Um... <laughs> Tim Roth Light. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's I, there's almost Handmaiden's Tale girl, the blonde, <laughs> like the main character ish. Anna. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anna. Okay. Yeah. And, and the only reason I remember that is because right at the end of the film, it says, you know, I'm going to stay here. I'll catch you later, Anna. <laughs> Tim yeah. Roth Light says that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I put it down as John Hurt Light for me. But, <laughs> you know. You know. Oh well, you see, to me, one. it was uh, the medium boyfriend because there's an old tv show called medium and he played the boyfriend in that and that's the only thing i remember uh, fair enough. i don't think many of these actors have been in a whole lot else um ty burrell, is the exception to the rule yeah. here yeah. yeah ty burrell has went on bit to being in sitcoms and stuff like that but mostly that's it and ving rames who is <laughs> ving, this if you took the inlay out of this dvd you could make one and just slide it back in and no one would know any different if you titled it ving rames in ving rames detective like or deputy, <laughs> I guess he's just playing himself I, I in a cop outfit. I would have watched a film that's just Ving Rhames versus zombies, but you know <laughs> that's what this is. Well, actually, it's not really. <laughs> it's not really. He doesn't do a whole lot of fighting with zombies. Now that I think about it, uh, it's peculiar because his character archetype is like grumpy badass with shotgun, who's, who's fed up of people's. Mm. It is like fundamentally like one of the core characters to the point of you want to see him succeed even though he doesn't really have any appealing quality <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of do you know why it's because he, he has actually... a friendship with andy yeah Come on. it's because oh, he has well, dialogue yeah. that kind of makes those two characters the most human in the movie yeah mm. i mean their little relationship me. is actually kind of endearing and a, a, a good idea that we haven't seen much before in a movie like the fact that they're separated and they kind of communicate from rooftop to rooftop mm. it's a fun little idea there's uh, also a little like the... oh sorry go on steve i was gonna say for the, uh, the the benefit of viewers who can get hold of the dvd version andy has his own separate little mini arc um but is is kind of bleak but also fairly developed as he's like dealing with all this stuff on his own mm. uh and it's technically part of the film so i get away with it even if it's a dvd extra uh, and seeing a man cope with not only being on his own and his only contact being Kenneth, that everything he knows is gone. He's starving and he's losing his marbles at the end. is pretty good. Like, it's a shame it was cut out of well, but only on the DVD extras. Hmm. And it also reveals that this is set in Wisconsin, which, looking ge- geographically, the marina is not going to lead to a tropical island. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's the funny thing, you know, as it's opening, it's talking about, obviously, it says it's in Wisconsin at the beginning. Well, it doesn't say Wisconsin, but it says, I live right next to Wisconsin, literally a stone's throw away is Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, like, I recognize so many of the names, which I didn't first time I watched it, obviously, but when they started saying, like, Wabasha County, I was like, oh, I live, like, 30 minutes from there <laughs> and i was like oh that's cool so oh, i, I was in islands around there but yes then i was like no there is no i mean 
I can't think of what where they would have gone to get a boat and and <laughs> sailed like that in Wisconsin. It's a very landlocked mm. uh, state, so it was that was a little odd. Just going to hand wave that away as a parallel universe. Earth, the geography is different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What? In terms of like Andy and stuff, and that's another one of those examples of things that I remember vividly from watching it all those years ago, even now. And there's a lot of those moments where it's like, oh, that's that's very well shot or whatever. It's just stuck with me, which is, you know, him holding the sign up saying he's hungry. And then later on, it's just like a blood smear. And you're like, oh, no. So that's, you know, cool moments like that are very well pulled off. But in terms of the sort of like wider story, this film has a problem in that compared to the original for me, the time passes, you know, and you've got these four characters and you get to know them a little bit and how they're dealing with each other. This film is much shorter, so you're not really afforded that so much. And also, it's like four times as many characters. They just seem to be coming out of the woodwork constantly. There's a blonde girl. I think literally the first time you see her is the obligatory early 2000s sex scene with her and Steve. I don't remember her showing up before then, but then suddenly uh, they're filming themselves having sex and it's like who's that person she's new like they're just throwing characters <laughs> yeah. at you it's so unnecessary as well just absolutely yep. unnecessary I, the, so there's this whole part of the story where they and they're, where they're t- trying to figure out how the infection works and why people are rising as zombies um, and Anna's whole thing is you know she saw someone got bit but she's not sure that that's what caused it. It's like, okay, realistically, that's a fair point. You are in a film, though, so you are allowed to sort of jump logic a little bit. And, you have you know, look at the running time. You haven't got long to come to the conclusion. They really, really could have cut all of that down. You've got this uh, lady that nobody knows the name of. She comes in infected. She gets up. Oh, she's a zombie and they have to kill her. And then immediately afterwards, they've got this uh, also infected older gentleman that they wait to die. And then he gets up and they kill him. Why do you have to have both? Like, literally, you could have had one and then be like, oh, yeah, but he was bitten. And then he came back. So it is the bite. Boom. Done. It was so weird that they had two when they got such short amount of running time to deal with compared to the original. So that really bogged it down for me personally. Um, But otherwise, the story is, yeah, fairly serviceable. I wasn't... I don't know. It feels like a slow burn to a massive action ending. And then the ending didn't really feel that deserved to me. I thought it was fun, but it wasn't... Wasn't a whole lot of weight to much of the stuff. It's because they were faffing around with all these multiple infections and too many characters for me. It's, it's the point where the uh, the young girl, whose name I cannot remember, but she is the daughter of said zombie man, decides yeah. I am going to drive the, one of their only escape vehicles across the street <laughs> to save a dog from a zombie. That I about think right, well, just leave her for dead. But no, they go on a stupid suicide mission to save her, and it pretty much all escalates and falls to bits from there mm-hmm. like until then the, the, if the original dawn like like in the past time thing the original dawn feels like it probably takes place over the course of months this definitely is a week i think it is like, actually i think i'm not sure if it's like the andy's diary thing but somewhere it's implied that it's like two weeks it feels yeah. like a day <laughs> it does <laughs> it kind of does but in comparison between the two films it's rapid this the mm-hmm. degradation uh, and the, the zombies bless them. They don't really, uh, they don't get much time to shine except when they're ripping people apart. Mostly, it's just people complaining at each other, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I suppose, okay. It feels like the, 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 the you know, Gunn and Schneider just basically 
looked at the cliff notes of what was Dawn of the Dead and said, right, more people. But there is no like real enemy people in this one. Which right, there's no, there's no human threat. Yeah, you know it I mean? kind of implicates that at the beginning with the three security guards, but mm. then that doesn't really go where where it should go. Yeah, I actually like that. Like you know, I, I, as I said earlier, CJ goes from being unlikable to barely likable, and mm. I actually like that he quote unquote redeems himself and still turns. He's basically complaining the entire time, and when he dies, he's affirming that he was right all along, and that they're a bloody nursery school. Um, <laughs> but he still takes himself out to save the day. So, yeah, okay. I agree with that. I I agree, but it's funny because he goes from yeah, sort of being sort of I guess the antagonist is a bit of a strong term, but nonetheless that, and then he just gets replaced with other new guy that shows up that's a bigger asshole. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough, put, I guess. Put, put me in a room with Steve and CJ, and I've got I've gone with one bullet. I'm I'm shooting Steve. It's not. Hard. <laughs> I'm lining them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there is one other point i guess of story that comes through from the original which is the pregnancy story and this one they spend a lot more direct time on and they actually sort of kind of see it through to fruition like literally we have we have a zombie baby um i didn't hate it you know i thought that actually mostly held up quite well you could sort of see the aspect they were going for the that horrible green lighting may have been a bit too much like i get it it's gross but you don't need to make it look like the inside of vomit or something it's a bit, bit odd but you know i guess it was kind of bold and it works quite well adam what did you think of the the pregnancy arc oh it was like another snyderism you know it was like a i've not a really little... seen much of his stuff to be fair so i wouldn't I wouldn't know. Just in the terms of like he likes a a certain shot, you know. Mm-hmm. He's very much a a, a visual director. Right. Yeah, if you watch nice. any of his other stuff, he he's very visually focused and not necessarily a fantastic director, but he does a lot of visual stuff well and this was kind of like a shocking quote unquote scene that I feel you know, was definitely serviceable. It was entertaining um, as much as it maybe didn't make too much sense character-wise. Um, Andre kind of seems to be out of sorts a little bit when, you know, the, it all goes down. Mm. Um, and it didn't necessarily feel like his character would act that way. It was a bit um, of a jump. Yeah, to instantly be like, I'm going to shoot this lady when my, you know, girlfriend's clearly a freaking zombie. Like, not even like gonna turn into a zombie. Yeah. But you know, again, it was it was a fun little moment, and it's not something you always see. So I can't really complain about it. Steve, thoughts on this uh, particular moment? See, zombie children and zombie babies always felt like uh, up until the early 2000s like a taboo, mm. uh, a, 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 a line one must not cross. And this is obviously around the time of, we haven't done the game yet, so spoilers, uh, Dead Space 2, when they were doing like weird children monsters and things like that as well. So it's it feels very uh, trying to make a statement while also being grotesque. Yeah. But, but I don't think any other like zombie media has really touched on it. I mean, you have the odd child zombie who's just like, you know, just literally a ghoul. But a... Um, mm. A baby? 
and uh, a person carrying it to term only for it to turn out to be one of these is a pretty dark similar that kind of stays with you in my opinion like yeah. my my partner is like anything to do with babies she loves them like she she loves like watching anything about babies and whatnot so the second that we're watching this it, it pretty much like hit her in the core Mm. I don't know if it's just like, you know, those maternal instincts are being shattered, seeing a heavily CG zombie face on a baby. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely one of those things that I imagine even at the time people were talking about when they left the cinema. Yeah. Like they were talking about that and the intro, I think, is the most. Maybe they're debating, did they live at the end? Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a standout moment for the film, whether it be grotesque or not. Isn't it the DVD cover is basically... Like a zombie baby face, isn't it? Or a zombie child? It's the face. child. It's the child, child zombie's head. So, well, there's, yeah, two was... there's one that's just like a horde of people on a sunset silhouette. Like, yeah. Kind of like the Justice League cartoon intro, only zombies. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, it's a big part of They were hoping that was going to land. Uh, it feels like part of the marketing almost, the zombie kids and the zombie baby. Uh, yeah, I would argue it did. What it did weirdly do, to move on to tone a little bit, it actually, I didn't, so, the the racism tones of the original film, not so much here. You know, there's a little bit um, in places, you get um, Kenneth and Andre sort of talking about uh, their upbringings and, and sort of like the displacement of black youth. I was like, that's a nice nod, but you don't really get any more than that. The commercialism thing, Ving Rhames's character basically rushes to get that scene out. It's way too early in the film for them to start musing about the zombies, unlike 78, where it's much closer to the end and they sort of do it the opposite way around you know in the classic dawn of the dead they say maybe they're coming after us and, and peter says well maybe they they're just sort of drawn here for some reason and in this version they go maybe they're just drawn here and ving rem goes no they're coming after us and that's it boom the tone that this film does have the theme that this film has i thought was really interesting is it has these weird mothering tones to it throughout the film so the first zombie that you come across first zombie you see is a kid You've got the zombie pregnancy thing we just talked about. Michael, the John Hurt character, says that his job, the best job he was, uh, sorry, the job he was best at was being a dad. Uh, Nicole loses her father. I guess that's kind of related. So it's sort of parental based. And then she sacrifices herself over her love of a pet. I don't know what the film's trying to say. I guess being a parent will kill you. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's getting at. <laughs> being it, a parent will kill you. <laughs> it seems to keep coming up. And I was like, this is and weird. Ken, Ken Ving Rhames' character is like, I gotta go get my brother. Yeah. And, and he's so... definitely the dad of the group, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's definitely some, some, some family stuff in there, but... I don't know what the It's funny is. how they instantly would go and try and save the girl who went after well, the dog. Has to wait. Well, not only that, but Andy. Like, if you're going to run over there and save her, why didn't you do that for Andy? To begin with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. if it, if they'd been there months like the original film, okay, sure, the person you know is in, de- in jeopardy. But they've been right. there like two weeks, as I said. So, I, I mean, it sucks, but never mind. They did it for Mr. Chips. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's, right. dog's name. it's yeah. funny yeah chips yeah. yeah it's funny how like the original had so much more of a social commentary than this one does mm-hmm. uh even though it's so much more dated mm. i guess making way for just plain old entertainment yep 
And it is an entertaining movie, at least. You well, know, yeah, I, I, agree I can't. With that, yeah. I can't say that it was a bad movie because even on my rewatch, it was entertaining. It mm. wasn't, bo- you know, it was short enough that I could just enjoy it and didn't have too much that was trash. Uh, any more plot or theme thoughts before we I, move on? I, I don't know how to bring this up in any smooth way, but is it just my interpretation, or are they trying to be a bit critical of gay people in this film? It feels like they, they use the one gay character as a joke, and I don't kind of, I do not like that at all. I can't even remember as a gay. Me character. either. Well, that, that, that's fine. There's a scene where the the choir organ fellow is basically talking about his sexual experiences to CJ while they're imprisoned, and it's played off as some kind of weird joke, and it just makes me feel like, why? Why is this in the film? Um. It, it, it's very strange that that there's like I said, it's the one scene that kind of really irks me about this film. In the way there is also a, a quick cut shot of the older gentleman wearing like tights and women's shoes in the shoe store, oh, right? <laughs> um, mm. Which is just literally like a five second cut of him prancing around in women's shoes, and it's like, okay, what was that for? <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's yeah that that sounds like early two thousands. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, I mean uh, fair point though. I do remember what you were talking about, and I didn't make any notes on it, but I remember being like about it. You know. Uh, this seems a bit mean spirited. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, before we get to characters, let's talk about zombies at least a little bit. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say, so just quickly getting out of the way. As I said, the film is. 17 years old now or something like that i thought in terms of the makeup and effects pretty solid hold up well didn't really have any issues with it um as i said the zombie baby still looks all right to me uh the only problem i have was sort of like that like the original they kind of lost presence you know the intro is really exciting and they're all there in the outro but from you know the middle of the film they're not really there you don't even get them sort of clearing out the mall. Maybe that's the difference maker. And again, it's also about the runtime, I suppose. They want you to spend time with all these characters for some reason. I don't care about. But I feel like the zombies were sort of missing in the middle of this film. Uh, Steve, what do you think of the zombies? Uh, for, for what screen time they get, they feel like a constant threat. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I feel like, unlike the you know the first, I keep saying the first film, like they are a sequel. You know, the, the original. Yeah. They, they they feel like that that walks a line between comedy and seriousness or tragedy. Whereas these ones they feel like killing machines. Like as Adam hit on earlier with like, you know, Anna's husband and that he literally the instinct is just to kill, to eat. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter what. If they can get close, they're gonna rip you apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even a point where I think it's played off a bit right at the start where they're getting into the mall and there's one person who looks almost fine at a distance and then he turns has an arm off and he's in a full maniacal sprint to try and rip them apart. I thought it was great. They never yeah. feel like they are in any form to be other than just killing things, mm-hmm. which is what makes them pretty strong. I like them more than the 28 Days Later, like, you know, running zombie types as well, because they have that level of, I want to say, not there's hate behind their eyes in 28 Days Later, whereas this, they, they feel like they've just tried to make them instinctually, habitually killing machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll get off my pulpit, but I thought the zombies were all right to be. <laughs> but when they did, they they really did do well. 
Uh, yeah, 100% agree. As I say, my opinion is always don't silly up your zombies. So high marks from me because there isn't any zombies doing goofy things in this. Yeah, okay, you get some dressed up silly, but they weren't like performing song and dance. So I'm happy. Um, <laughs> Adam, what do you think of the zombies in the, the 2004 version? Yeah, uh, they're fine. They're, they're definitely, you know, like I was saying about um, the Romero Dawn of the Dead, where they seem to have a lot of character to them. This is not the case and and it works for the movie it's a lot faster paced mm-hmm. they are all just kind of very instinctual killing machines essentially um i like the fact that some i, I wish we would have seen a bit more i guess it's it's only two weeks so i i like the fact that they are a little faster it makes more sense to me i always feel like a zombie would start off pretty fast and then as time goes by, it would get slower mm-hmm. as, it's, as its body degrades. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have any issues with the, the speediness of the zombies. The only issue I, I have is, and again, it, it's fine because it's a movie, but with the speediness of those zombies and how dangerous they are, I feel like no one would have got to that mall. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, you know, it would just be over and done with. Everything would be completely wrecked. The mall would probably be like full of zombies as well. Mm. Um, but again, it's a movie, and and that's fine. I don't have a lot to say about them. They they are consistent with their zombies. The time frames of people turning is consistent, which I like. I hate it when you get a movie yeah. where yeah, definitely. where someone is just like they've been bitten. And then they like, they're the ones that hold on for days. And they're like, you know, it's nice that everyone that gets bitten pretty much dies in a similar time frame and comes back almost immediately. Mm. There's no like, this guy just came back and you waited so long or whatever. There's, I so guess, there's, I like the consistency. There is one thing with that, which I guess is the boyfriend right at the beginning who immediately turns. But arguably. Arguably, you know, you can always say, depending on where the bite is, how quickly it gets into the Yeah, he gets the neck shot, so he probably bleeds right. out pretty fast. Exactly. So. He probably just went straight down. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, otherwise, I, I agree, definitely. Um, so, characters, we talked about a lot of them in the plot. So, yeah, I, I remains to be seen how much there is to talk about. There is a lot of them, but I don't have a whole lot to say on most of them. They pretty much exist to die. <laughs> that is what it comes down to, especially when you get to that crazy ending with the armoured buses and stuff. Um, many of them will just sort of vanish very quickly. Um, I found Mike Michael to have some likableness to him. I thought he was very uh, easy to like. Uh, he's obviously designed that way. But it's hard not to think of him at the end of the film as a complete idiot. Because he has this whole bit where he's like, look at this great idea. I've got a chainsaw and a hole in the truck. And we can push it along the hole and get the zombies off the side of the truck. And you just think, yeah, it's going to go horribly wrong. So his idea, which, you know, doesn't have any kind of safety precautions. It's not attached to the side of the truck. It's literally just a chainsaw and a hole. Goes horribly wrong and he's responsible for two deaths because of it. So way to go, John Hurt. Uh, you not <laughs> didn't really work out for you, did it? <laughs> Other than that, I think I've said said my piece on most of them. Um, Adam, any standout characters for bad or for good? Um, no, not really. Yeah, they're they're pretty all just kind of like tropes as far as it goes. There's not a lot of progression there. Um, I 
I do enjoy most of the characters for what they are, mm-hmm. but I don't have a lot to say about them, really. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Uh, Steve, any any standout characters? I, I, it, it's weird. You know when you get those films where you have characters you want to root for? Like in the original Dollar Dead, I kind of do, I, I really do root for Peter and I do root for Fran. In in this film, I really don't care. <laughs> like, it, it's more, it's more, I want that person to die for my entertainment. You know? <laughs> Saying that, I, I, I did feel kind of gutted for him in that, you know, they, they completely fluffed saving Andy who literally is a man with a sign and therefore has some kind of attachment. I believe it was Love Actually that first did that. But what <laughs> You know, that's that's kind of sad. Everything else is kind of like, you, 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 I mean, you're kind of funny in quips, but, you know, just, just punch Steve out. <laughs> that is, that, that's all I want. I'm glad he dies. I think, yeah, I mean, to be fair, props to his acting then, I guess, you know, he's he's definitely the heel, you want to see him lose. Oh, like, yeah. he's fantastic in that role, especially when he's like, yeah, maybe we should all just get on my boat, and everyone goes, that's a great idea, and he's like, oh, I wasn't actually being serious, you know, you, you want <laughs> to see him turn to his own He's the unlikable slime, and therefore yeah. you like him because he's unlikable slime. Exactly, he's fit for purpose. Yeah. And that, that, it's like like Adam said, they're a bag of tropes. I think the main reason I like Ving Rhames' character is because I just like Ving Rhames as an actor. Oh, yeah, pretty much. He's just yeah. a cool dude. Yeah, he's shaft, for <laughs> sake. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's a How quote the great Ving Rhames. Three, four. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what is, what's that like? He, there's a particular line that I absolutely love of his. It's something like, what if I stick my foot up your ass? Then would that be your problem? <laughs> <laughs> that's just like the the Ving Ramesiest, you know. Uh, oh, right then, let's 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 wrap up 2004. Final thoughts on the film. Um, for me, bit of a rush job, but I understand uh, what they're going for. As we said multiple times, it's about the entertainment, and it is fun. I didn't think it was bad by any means. All my little nitpicks aside, I'd say you know a six out of ten, and that's above average. So. It's done all right. I think it's good that they went other ways for it, uh, rather than trying to do a shot for shot or trying to recast those characters. I think could have been kind of dicey. Uh, it's 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 no patch on the original for me, but it's good fun. And in a way, because it's much less bleak, it's probably more rewatchable. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts on the two thousand four? Do you prefer it? I don't know if I prefer it, but it, like you say, the the length of it and the the feeling it it has does make it more rewatchable. Mm-hmm. I'd go back to this before I went back to the original, um, and that's not saying I think the original is worse. For all, for everything I said about the original, I still believe it's a better film than this. Mm-hmm. But this is a more entertaining film, um, yeah, and that for that reason, I would go back to this easier. And the runtime, you know, obviously. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like you said, six out of ten. It's definitely a serviceable film. It's a fun film. Um, it's a good film to. I think it's a good film to show people that aren't. I mean, who isn't nowadays, but aren't necessarily super familiar with the genre sure yeah definitely um this is one of the better films the more entertaining films to show someone mm-hmm. and steve final thoughts on the dawn of the dead remake 
while this film is, I would say, the inferior of the original, it has some quirks in how it's constructed, how it is portrayed, in terms of zombie-related media, that have clearly stood out well enough for other things to emulate, mm -hmm. uh, lesser things to straight-up rip off and do it badly, starring Mila Jovovich. <laughs> So, in part, this is almost like the uh, the start of a really good Raccoon City film that then goes to a mall and they sit there for a bit and then everyone dies. <laughs> Put but that on the back of the box. Out, literally, as a strong as a, as a strong contender for a good Resident Evil film, and then it goes to the mall and tries to just be boring for a bit, and then zombies take over. Here are some characters that you may or may not like. I don't know. It's strange putting putting the two films next to each other. Now I'm trying. I'm really trying to weigh up which one I would choose to watch over the other. And I think it's still the original, despite how critical I am and mm -hmm. how much I'm meant to really like the remake. So, yeah, Johnny Crash intro is pretty badass though. Uh, and the <laughs> ending is uh, astoundingly good. I think it was the first time in, in my uh, young memory I'd seen like a mid credits and almost post credits stingers and stuff like that. Where is yeah. Unearned, but it is a nice wrapping up that it's vague enough that maybe they get out all right, but probably they've been torn to shreds anyway. Mm -hmm. Which uh, you know is almost like an homage to the original ending that never got was in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, fair point. Actually, I, I agree with that. I did like the the way that the ending was stylized with sort of like the footage of the camcorder on the boat, and then the suddenly very bleak ending because yeah I, I, I would assume that, that that is the all she wrote for those characters and then immediately after that just to remind you that this is a film released in 2004 smash cut to disturbs down with the sickness where the credits play uh. <laughs> just the most 2000s thing ever is there a zombie warwick davis in a coup and it, it looks like it's uh, like warwick davis in a uh, water cooler on that boat dressed as a zombie towards the end on, on that video game <laughs> It's a head in a water cooler. Yeah, I don't think it's Is Warren it? Davis's head. Yes, it does kind of look like it, but yeah, it's just a head for some reason. Mm. You know, it's I don't know why what that's about. You know, it, fill in the gaps there if you like your own little story, your little head canon of how that happens, but it very much reminds me. They're getting really in the weeds now. We need to finish out. Um, there's a film called Return of the Living Dead Two. Which is one another one of those uh, taped off of TV films that my dad did for me. It's very much more like a comedy zombie film, and there is a zombie head that exists for it's not like forty five minutes. That movie it seems to just keep cropping up and following them around. I think it's like the mascot of the franchise for all I know. I've no idea, but it's, it seems to have a rather important role. Maybe it's a <laughs> reference to that. I have no idea, but it's the talking zombie head, jaw jacking little guy. There's some nostalgia for anyone who remembers that <laughs> film. Maybe I don't know. But it's nostalgic. Does it mean for me. that Steve's like in the mafia then? Like he's got the severed head of his <laughs> water cooler or something. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, let's go with that. That's better. But but it was on a dinghy though. It wasn't on the boat. Oh, that's true. Oh. Yeah, that's true. It was on a boat that they found, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> for cool some reason, Steve was like a mafia tough, but without the backup, he's a complete weed. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. he's Fredo. 
Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors and our Patreons once again. Support the show for as little as $1 a month to help us create more bonus content like this one over at patreon.com forward slash Pod. You can also join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more over at FASpraypod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can. It helps spread the word. Our next bonus episode sees us, as Steve kind of uh, sort of briefly mentioned, back to the town of Silent Hill as we look at perhaps the most critically acclaimed game in the series, Silent Hill 2. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of us individually. I'm at Sinaiac underscore 123. Steve is at FB. Steve was taken. And Adam is at AdVicar01. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. Brains. Brian. <laughs> we didn't talk Brian. about soundtracks. Red versus blue. Whoa, we didn't. Fair point. I just realised. The original Prog soundtrack rock. is pretty decent and iconic in that I've never heard another film besides Shaun of the Dead use it. And if I hear a bit from it, I know it's from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. God, that soundtrack. There are parts of it, though, that... Like, there's a part... The part where they're in the gun shop and... For some reason, it might be on a TV or something, but there's just a chimp screaming. <laughs> what? And I just can't get that. over it. So it feels very like what I imagine American infomercials are like in terms of background sounds at times. Yes. With a horror tone. Mm. And yes. And then, you know, Dawn of the Dead 2004 is just like generic early night. New metal. Stuff. <laughs> bit of, ri- <laughs> bit of Richard Cheese. Oh god. As soon as you boot up the DVD as well, it starts screaming at you. Oh god. (laughs) Anyway. So you can edit that bit in then? (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's staying in. That'll be at the end. Yep. You always gotta have a bumper. It's funny, I, I keep thinking about my first time watching it. I really do think I was my first reaction is, Oh my god, it's Keenan's dad. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, Ken Faree, um, is it actually yeah. I didn't know yeah. if you were joking or well, not Keenan Kel, he's Keenan's dad oh my god I didn't even realise that Kel loves orange soda he does is it true oh my god it is it, 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 it's true I do I do I do uh, did you also know that the bloke who plays Roger is also known as Rin- as Prince Gore he is an actual prince what? of a Western <laughs> Afghanistan continent, not continent, but an area of Western <laughs> Afghanistan. That's what? A, that's a real thing. I, I did loads of like... How did that like, not come up? <laughs> come up now. He's a, he's a prince in Afghanistan. I, know, I just know he's like an American general briefly in the fucking remake. I didn't realise he was actual royalty. I looked it up because I was just reading random pages. If this isn't the bumper, it. I'm going to be very upset that you just <laughs> don't right, let me have just the, read bumpers. The, bits, the bumper. Let me read the Wikipedia. Uh, in 2004, it was revealed that... What's his name? Scott Scott Rayner is the Prince of Gore, a province in western Afghanistan. Rayner's great-great-great-grandfather 
Josiah Harlan was the first American to set foot in Afghanistan, so he was granted sovereignty in, in, in perpetuity for himself and his descendants. Ergo, what? this guy is Prince Gore. He doesn't really bring it up, apparently. He's apparently sovereignty he's an, an anecdote, but... I mean, but... When you said Prince of Gore, I thought you were going to say he was a new member of Guar or something. (laughs) The Prince of Gore. (laughs) Yeah. Get up. Come on, get down. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah. On point. Prince Gore. There you go. It's a trivia. 